queen wants him dead. People of Israel have completely turned their backs on God. He's exhausted. He's frustrated. So he finds a cave looking for God. But as so often true, God found him. 1 Kings 19, first thing God says to him is, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And Elijah replies, I've been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. You ever been there? Just seems like nothing's going your way and that the storms of life are coming against you. Hopeless, tired, weary. You find yourself running. It's interesting what God says to him next in verse 11. The Lord says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to walk by. Stop crying. In the pity party. Show yourself to God. And when he did, he continues, it says, a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and it shattered the rocks before the Lord. But don't miss this. See what it says at the end of the verse there? But the Lord was not in the wind. And then he kept going. And he said in the next verse, after the wind, there was an earthquake. Notice what it says now. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then one more time, it says, and after the earthquake came a fire. But what does it say there? But the Lord was not in the fire. Notice what it says next. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Why did he pull the cloak over his face? It was humility. He humbled himself, realizing he was in the presence of God. But let me ask you something. When's the last time you humbled yourself before God? I mean, really humbled yourself before God. Because often we fall in this trap. It's easy. The busyness of life, the hecticness of our schedules... Things that go wrong, unplanned events, all the tyranny of the urgent that surrounds us. It's an easy trap to fall into, and, 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 it's, and it's easy to let the winds of life just scatter us around. And, and sometimes it feels like the earth is shaking underneath us, and that we're just running from one fire to the next, trying to put it out. But what do we find out? That's not where God is. He's not in the wind. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the fire. Where is he? 
He's in the whisper. And did you know you can sometimes allow the noise and chaos in life to drown out the whisper? How do we find that whisper? And the answer is we have to stop. We have to get away. Find silence. Find solitude. Rest. You have to break free from the tyranny of the urgent. But how many of you have been in the rat race for so long that you no longer hear the voice of God? How many of you have let the noise and chaos of life drown it out? When it happens, we blame him. Where is God? Isn't, isn't God helping me? Where is he? Doesn't he love me? We're trapped in this bitter cycle that we can't seem to get out of, of noise, chaos, urgency, the next crisis. But if we're honest, a lot of these, not all, but a lot, they're really of our own making, aren't they? You have the control to break through it. But here on the mountain now, realizing that is a broken, penitent man, humbling himself before God. And it's now in having this moment of realization that he can hear from God. And so what does God say to him in verse 13? And then a voice said to him, now that he's got his attention, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? I think sometimes we are so busy looking for God in the noise and chaos of life, we forget that he's in the solitude and the silence. To experience him, you must find rest. Now, here's where things get a little bit crazier. Because it's interesting, once God has his attention, what he tells Elijah to do. And maybe you've heard this before. What does he tell him to do once now he's got him there and he's got his attention? He tells him, go out, make disciples, and anoint new leaders. Sound like anything we've talked about at Radiant? Now that he's got him right where he wants him. And so we pick up in verse 19, it says, Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. And he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. And so Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him, and Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. And he said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. And he said, and then I will come with you. How crazy is that? He just puts a coat around him, and he leaves his plow leaves everything to follow Elijah. But notice what it says next. It says, Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to the people and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. We have a saying for this in our modern times. We call it burning the boats. When the conquistadors came to America, 
with their men, first thing they did was burn the boats. Why? There's no plan B. There's no going back. That's what he did here. He, he burns his plow. He kills the ox. This was his livelihood. He got rid of everything to do what? To follow Elijah and to become his servant. He walked away from it all. And so in understanding this story, maybe as we switch over to the New Testament for a minute, this next story won't look so crazy to you after all. Because when we go to Matthew chapter 4, what do we read? It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus says, come, follow me. And I will send you out to fish for people. But it doesn't stop there. He continues on in the next verses, and he says, next slide if you could. At once they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and followed him. They put down their nets. They left their boat. They left their livelihood, their families, their friends, everything to follow this rabbi. So let me ask you, would you have done that? Would that have been your posture? I love that this author had to say, she said, Jesus' first followers responded to his words with actions that astound us. They left home, family, and comfort behind to follow risking their lives and this man to change the world. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means we leave our old life behind to follow the master. Jesus is inviting them into new life, inviting them to follow him and this life. It's a new way of living. And, and, and yeah, it had some pretty radical ideas. It said, you have to love those who hate you. You have to turn the cheek, other cheek, when they strike you. That the first is last and the last is first. If you want to gain everything, you've got to lose it all. Blessed are those who are persecuted, meek, and poor. Pursue God's righteousness. And he had strange habits. He had, had one habit of just kind of disappearing for hours, if not days at a hand, into the wilderness to be by himself. He fasted. He prayed. He read scripture publicly. He shared hospitality with sinners and outcasts. He confronted religion wherever he went. And wherever he went, he healed, he cast out demons, and he taught people. And he, he would tell them, don't be anxious, don't worry. I've come to give you life, and life more abundantly. That was what he told them. The invitation was clear, will you step into this way of Christ, this new life that I'm offering you? 
That's what it means to be a disciple. It's to step into the way of, cross, of Christ. We, we burn our plows, we put down our nets, and we surrender everything. We follow him, we imitate him, ultimately we become like him. And in following him, wherever he goes, we are covered in the dust of our rabbi as he takes us down the paths of life and guides us in his way. The early church, it was called the way, did you know that? That was the name of the early church. And we're called Christians. It actually was more than 100 years later after the writings that we have that they would take on the name Christians. The early church was called the way. And it was taken, of course, from various teachings of Jesus, in particular, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And by the way, when we talk about the way, it's a metaphor for all of us on how you live in other words, what does your way of life say about who is your master? Which way are you going? Because I'll let you in on a secret. Everyone is being discipled by someone. Everyone. And it's really just a matter of question of whose voice are you listening to? Who's discipling you? Is it the culture, the world, the media, or is it Christ? Whose way are you following? Because to follow Christ means we literally step in His footsteps. We sit at His feet, we listen, and we learn from Him. To follow Jesus, it's a, it's a journey. It's not this one moment in life where you raise your hand and you have an emotional experience. It's not that that is important, but that's not the whole story. It's just the beginning of a journey. You're being invited to learn to be like your master. And it's a radical change of life. You leave everything behind. You turn from the way you were going. You burn the plow, you put down the net, and you surrender everything. Now, to be clear, though, it's not a set of rules you follow, okay? The way of Christ is not a checklist of things you mark off as if you somehow arrived. It's not an app you add to your life like you do on your phone. Jesus is not a magical genie awaiting your wishes. He's not some cosmic ATM machine asking for withdrawals. Jesus doesn't exist to walk behind you and pick up your poop. He's your master, teacher, and you exist to serve him, to learn from him, to imitate your master. We do the things our master does we say the things our master says with the intent of becoming who and what our master is. That's a disciple. Jesus is inviting you into the way of Christ. Follow me. 
But there's a difficult reality we have to get our arms around in today's culture. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians but are not disciples of Jesus Christ, and there's a big difference. You can have a big, hefty dose of religion and completely miss the relationship. Ultimately, the question is, do you have a relationship with this rabbi, Jesus? Is he your teacher? Because 2,000 years ago, there was a man, he had a message, and in that message was an invitation. And that invitation remains true today. Repent, which means turn from the way you were going whatever direction you were headed, and go a different way. Come my way. Follow me. And he would tell him the kingdom is here. It is among you. And before you think that's too difficult, he would, he would remind them, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened and you can find rest. Come and see. Drink from the water of life, a living water that can flow in and through you. No sales pitch, no amazing curriculum for you to buy. It's just an invitation. Follow me. Leave your old life behind and surrender it all. Walk in the footsteps of your rabbi. Be covered in his dust. Rest at his feet. Listen and learn. You can have life and life more abundantly. But you got to ask yourself something today. When you said yes to Jesus... Did you surrender it all? Or like many, are you just still kind of hanging on to some things, you know what I mean? Jesus can have some of me, but not all of me. But what you see here is he's calling us to burn the plow and put down your net. Peter, Andrew, James, and John what Jesus said, follow me, would drop their net and walk away. Surrender everything. And so let me ask you, are there still nets you're hanging on to? And when is it going to be time to put them down? follow your master he doesn't want some of you he wants all of you